some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to a fresh episode of GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia, and before I bring Greg in, I just a programming note. This show was supposed to be on Tuesday. If you were with us last week, we announced that it was going to be on Tuesday. We had a schedule change. We're back here on Monday, and hopefully next Monday. Uh, so there's that. Also, um, tomorrow, we've got uh, Bear Their Souls at uh, 8 p.m., but also Mike North is going to be an hour earlier at 9 a.m. So that's the programming over the next uh, 24 plus hours and much more football on Wednesday. So without further ado, let me bring in the man of the hour, Greg Gabriel. How are you, my friend? You're going to do Mike North at nine o'clock? <laughs> yes. Come on, you're going to have a bed at nine o'clock. <laughs> well 9 a.m is what i should have said so thank you for correcting me <laughs> 9 a.m in the morning he's yeah, up at 4 a.m <laughs> i know he's up early i've seen he's got stuff on on x all the time all so, the time all the time uh lots of people in the chat room lots of people want to get your thoughts to what happened yesterday who the fuck knows yeah, I mean, that was so disappointing after the big victory in Washington. We didn't expect that type of performance. What do you think, Greg? What's going on? Well, you know, I I, I erred in my ways last week when we talked about uh, the Minnesota defense because they, they played pretty good, and they're, they were blitzing from everywhere. And like on that first sack was an overload. There was nobody to block that guy. And um, and they just, you know, they found different ways of attacking uh, the Bears from the defensive side. And the Bears couldn't account for it. And, you know, it, it ended up just being a shit show. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's hard. It was disappointing because you expected a lot more, you know, coming off of and, and actually the defense played pretty good. I looked up the stats right before we started. They oh, my gave goodness. Up, gave up 224 yards. Yeah. And, and and the Bears had a huge time of uh, time of possession advantage. Almost 10 minutes, Greg. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and you lose the game. That That's crazy. Now, hey, granted. You know, most a good part of the second half, you got a rookie quarterback in there who, who hasn't played. And and I'll tell you what, except for that last interception, the uh, the strip sack that that is what it is. But I didn't like the play call in the last interception. But aside from that, he didn't play that all that badly. Mm -hmm. You know, he was taking him downfield position. The thing I didn't like about that last call and I have to look, you know, uh, go look at it some more, see what was there underneath is when you got 
short yardage to get a first down. You don't throw deep. You get the freaking first down. Absolutely. Okay, and I saw it in the Philly game, too. Philly's got fourth and four mm-hmm. to keep, you know, to keep the possession alive and go down and kick field goal to win the game. And what's Hurts do? He throws the ball 40 yards downfield. Well, the chances of completing that are very, very slim versus get the first down. You still got time on the clock. You still, you know, it just baffles me. So that one, the both the play call and what was going on in, in Bajan's mind, I'd like to know because the, and I didn't listen to Bajan after the game, but why are you trying to throw deep? Just, you know, get the first down, keep the drive alive so you got an opportunity to score a touchdown. <clears throat> and at least he throws a pick. Yeah. Bellissimo was saying that uh, Dr. Chow, who used to be the trainer with the San Diego Chargers. Yeah, I know Dr. Ago, Chow. He's a really good guy. Yeah. He says that he posted a picture of Field's thumb and is surmising that it's disappointing dislocated at the base and it will have ligament damage. You should should be out four to six weeks post-surgery. So doesn't look good. Uh, What do you think about that? No, we got to clarify that because Dr. Chow is good, but he's doing it. He's doing quick diagnosis off a picture. Right. You know, he's not seeing the thing. Might not be dislocation. It might be just a sprain. It might be two weeks versus and no surgery versus three yep. and four to six weeks. Yeah. So I, I, I get that because, you know, he's been wrong before. He's a good guy, and I've, t- I've had phone conversations with him. Um, but he's guesstimating. Mm-hmm. And, and we both know that, you know, they'll have a uh, press conference today and they won't tell us a thing. So we'll, we'll have more on Wednesday. We'll definitely have more on Wednesday. But getting back to the defense, just to talk about good news. Yeah, I, you, as you mentioned, um, they did an outstanding job. They dominated time of possession. Their third down efficiency. The Vikings only got two uh, first downs on third down. Total rushing yards allowed, just 46. Total passing yards allowed, 174. So this defense is starting to come alive. Uh, unfortunately, the offense is starting to show signs. The only thing of, they didn't do, though, is turnovers. Yes, sacks. Well, we thought there was one. That was a bad call. Mm-hmm. That was a freaking turnover. I, yeah. I even after the replay, when I saw different, you know, the end zone replay, that it was clear as day. It was a fumble recovery mm-hmm. that they gave back to to Minnesota, but. Um, I don't, they're not getting enough pressure. I wish he'd pressure more like the, like the Bears opponents pressure them. But for some reason, he doesn't want to do it. And I get it, you know, with Cousins. Cousins is a very accurate quarterback with a very quick release. So the thinking is, well, if we pressure him, there's going to be people open and he's going to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but he's completing the passes anyway. Yeah. And he has a history of what I, you know, I, I wrote it the other day and I might've said it on here. He's got a history. If you hit him in the mouth early, he didn't play well. Right. Exactly. 
but didn't happen. And I know. Uh, I know. so I, I want to get back to that first play of the game. Um, the, Danny Shimon and I had a debate online, and um, he, he criticized the play call, the empty backfield. And I said, well, maybe not the greatest play call, but the problem was the execution. Somebody at the offensive line, Cody Whitehair, perhaps the center, or the quarterback, Justin Fields, has to account for that pass rusher. Um, and I know Olin Krutz said today, Rory has it here, uh, that why would you start the game with empty backfield unless it's going to be a quick slam pass considering the Vikings were blitzing, getsy, ugh. I understand that, but still, you know, and Greg, you always say this, it's it, it's about player execution, and somebody missed the blitz pickup there. No, not if you got an empty. Because he's not, he was not accounted for on the line of scrimmage. But Fields or Whitehair has to say, all right, you know, move move a guy over, something. you got to make yeah, an adjustment. He's, he wasn't a defensive lineman. He was off the ball. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we got to be fair. And so okay. he's off the ball. So you don't know if he's coming or not. And, mm-hmm. and you know, people disguise blitzes. They can come up to the line of scrimmage like they're they're going to come, and then as soon as the ball snaps, they drop back into coverage. So I get that because I, you know, when I saw when I first when the fake play first happened, you know, I said, "Well, why didn't Borum block this guy?" And then you saw Borum blocked his guy. Right. It was you know he came in. There was nobody there. Now if you had a back in, mm-hmm. that would have been taken care of. You would have had the back on it, but you didn't even have the back end. So, yeah, the play call was wrong. Another play, though, that and I don't know if it was that series or the next series, but they tried the bubble screen to the right side with uh, Tyler Clark, and he dropped it. Mm -hmm. It was a freaking big play. That was blocked perfectly. He had a wall. I mean, that that could have gone to the – the distance, you know, I, I don't know what was downfield, but when you saw it, that thing was set up really nice and he just dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jordan says to my point, uh, you have to account for all possible threats in the box. And so, you know, it's, it's probably gets his fault as Danny, uh, drilled to me yesterday. Um, and, and you're corroborating his point of view there. I just, I just feel like, man, somebody should make an adjustment there at the line, or, or maybe not. Well, maybe part, part of it's on fields too, mm-hmm. if because he knows the play call, and yeah. so, you know, he can change the play. Right, right, yeah. Well, and it's something that he's going to have to grow and do. So, where are we with the Justin Fields watch from Greg Gabriel's eyes? Uh, you were down on him after week three to the point where you were saying bring Bajent in. Uh, you modified your opinion a little bit after the two games with Broncos and Commanders, which, you know, he played s- super in those two games. Let, let me put yep. up those stats. Uh, in those two games, he was 43 of 64, 617 yards passing eight touchdowns and just one interception. I mean, this guy looked like a franchise quarterback. And then he comes back out yesterday, and he looks a lot less than a franchise quarterback. Where are you at now with, with Justin? No, he went back to where he was uh, earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, you know, I've 
been very consistent in saying. <coughs> Sorry about that. <coughs> that he's got to continue this play. <coughs> Otherwise, they're going to draft a quarterback. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's real simple. So, because if you can't, if you can't come to a firm decision at the end of this year, well, let me back up a little bit. You can extend him after the, the season's over. So starting in January. Right. Well, if they don't think he's the guy, they're not going to extend him. So that means next April you're going to go in and you're going to use one of those twos on, on one of these quarterbacks. And, you know, and then you see uh, the way Caleb Williams played Saturday night against Notre Dame. Big deal. There's not a quarterback in the world that hasn't had a bad game. The great game plan, defensive game plan by uh, Notre Dame. Um, but still he struggled. He was probably pressured more. He's ever been pressured in his life, forced some throws, three interceptions. But there's other good quarterbacks in this draft too. And Drake May is real good. In fact, I was, do you ever read Dane Bugler? All the time. Okay. Well, Dane had a thing yesterday. He goes, well, in his checking around the league, he goes, it's not a slam dunk around the league that Caleb Williams is the best quarterback. There's a lot of people who think the North Carolina kid is. Mm-hmm. So um, either way, there's two really good quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And as yep. bad a game as Caleb played, he still had some super throws in that game too. Yes, he did. He but, did. To get back to Justin, I I just – if he's out four to six weeks, I think that that makes the decision just about because there's only going to be, what, three or four games left in the year. Mm -hmm. Are they going to make a decision on three or four games after this? If I'm sitting in that chair – I think my decision would have been made. Yeah, I, I do believe. Let's take a quick look at the schedule here. Uh, if he's out four to six weeks, so that really takes us through that second uh, row there. Well, you got Raider. the you got the buy in there, but you know you've got uh, the Charger. Well, the Raiders this week, and the Raiders are going to probably be playing without Garoppolo. So you better freaking win that game at home. Um, Chargers, the Saints, Carolina, uh, Detroit. I mean, that's, you know, there's, there's the only game you should win in there is Carolina. And I'm going to say Oakland, but after last, after yesterday, who the hell knows? They might not win anything. So um, it's a tough schedule. I think now, Say the minimum Justin is out is two weeks, and you're going to get a at least a couple weeks and probably more to find out about Bajent. Now Bajent will get the they'll have to adjust the game plan a little bit to fit to his strengths, um, and he'll get a week's full of reps, and 
you're going to make a decision on him pretty quick then. And that's important in my opinion mm-hmm. that because, because he's got talent and you're going to find out how much talent and can you grow with this guy or do you take one of those guys in the draft? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the $64 million question. And, and as coach, uh, T says this Bears team has more storylines than a reality show. He's absolutely right because, and I got to sneeze. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, you're um, bad as me. Yeah, I got some really bad allergies happening right now. And then I realized I haven't taken my allergy pills. <laughs> my wife is out of town. And uh, so I, I've been putting the pills in the boxes and I missed the, the allergy pills. But uh, back on track. So hopefully this will go away. Um, but, yeah, the Eberflu storyline is, is a major one. I mean, he has lost 15 of his last 16. He's 4-19 as a Chicago Bears head coach, 1-5 this season. Uh, it, it, this team cannot retain this coach, despite all of the challenges perhaps that Poles has put on him, you know, gutting the roster, uh, starting from the beginning. It, it's very, very difficult to retain a coach like this. Would you, you agree, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, to me, that was that, that there was there's now been three games that they've lost that they could have won slash should have won, and that was at Tampa Bay game here against Denver, and then yesterday, mm-hmm. and they didn't, and so. I, I saw an interesting tweet or post on X a little bit before I came on here. Floos has done something that no previous successor has ever been able to do, and that's not win two games in a row since he's been here. Yeah. And, and that that says a lot. And And... You know, people who know football, get on Getsy. I thought his game plans the last two weeks were pretty decent. Didn't like the second half against um, Denver because I thought he got too conservative, went into a shell a little bit. But he was more aggressive throughout the game last week. But then, you know, I didn't like the way the game was called yesterday. Obviously, the execution wasn't as good, so that's part of it. But, you know, you weren't playing to field strengths. And then, again, you had an opportunity to go down and win the game in the final minutes, hold on to the ball. And for whatever reason, Bajan throws deep to the left side. It gets picked. Ball's underthrown. And what I don't have the answer to, and maybe somebody's already watched something that I haven't seen yet. Was there something underneath? Were all the guys going deep? Because I, like I said, I didn't watch. I got disgusted and just turned it off right then and there. Um, But I just don't like when you got as much time as they had left on the clock, get the freaking first down. That's the most important thing because you gotta you gotta keep the drive alive. 
Yep, indeed. And uh, Getsy is really getting it from uh, the chat. Um, so overall, when you look at what Luke Getsy has tried to do offensively with this team, do you think that perhaps he was, you know, maybe a bad fit for a quarterback of Justin Fields' talents and that he has him trying to do something that perhaps Fields is not best at? Or do you, th and perhaps, you know, like a somebody who has coached a, a quarterback like Lamar Jackson or these athletic quarterbacks that have come into the league and create plays on their own. Do you think an offensive coordinator who, who responds and respects that would have been better for, for this team? I'm going to, I can answer that a number of ways. Number one, he was hired because he knows the scheme. Mm -hmm. Okay. The scheme is a winning scheme. Okay, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. It's a damn good scheme. It's how you use that scheme and how you call the plays within that scheme. But the scheme itself, I mean, San Francisco's had success, the Rams has had success, Green Bay had success. It's proven itself in the league. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, then it's on, you know, the old adage, Play to, the, play to the strengths of your players. Don't make them do things they can't do. And if that's the case, I can't answer some of the stuff because, you know, you and I aren't sitting in meetings. Right, right. You know, listen to what the hell's going on. So, but yeah, you got to question some of the play calls. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. Like I said, you're opening up, you know, on the first play of the game. I, I think, can you put some of that on Justin for not trying to change the play at the line? Because he's got a pre-snap read and he's going to see there's a guy there. Right. That could be coming. He might be dropping, but he could be coming. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I got to do something else. And maybe you get out of the empty to bring your back back into the, in the backfield. You know, there's a lot of different things you can do. So, but is that in fact his fault? Or, you know, it's a scripted play, first game, first play of the game. So you want to do that? I just, but it, it, it just didn't look right. Mm. Coach T, uh, who is a co-host on our Bear Football Show, says that this offense Getsy is running is not that Shanahan offense. He's a Kyle junkie, and this is not his or McVay's stuff. Is it, Could that viewpoint be because we don't have the talent that those teams have, or do you, do you care to expound on your thought? Well, there's one thing to me that you see all the time from those guys that we have not seen very often. And I've been looking for them is those crossing patterns that are usually wide open underneath five mm -hmm. yards, six yards, seven yard patterns. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't see them. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, anytime, uh, uh, tight end Cole Komet runs that crossing pattern, it's good for yards. And uh, when you look at the all 22, you can go back through an entire game and see it only being called two or three times. It's, it's and, and to go back with, with, with what Coach said, 
basically the scheme is the same. It's how you use the scheme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's how you call the plays. Okay, mm-hmm. and do you, is there stuff that was in the original playbook or say in Lafleur's playbook that he didn't carry over to here? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have the answer to that, yeah. but you know that the basis of the scheme, and that's the scheme he's brought up within the NFL. That scheme works, so that that's the point that I'm trying to make. Yeah. Um, and coach says, yes, uh, Greg, where are the crosses? Where are the split zones, zones, counters, powers, and Berlissimo adds stacked releases, zone floods and level concepts and crosser, even if, you know, same half a field, all, uh, you know, half the stuff I understood there. <laughs> yeah, but you know what it is too? It's, it, there's a lot of stuff is so freaking slow developing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, You know, instead of get the ball out of the guy, have plays where you get the ball out of the guy's hand real quick. Well, and on the play that Fields got injured, I posted a video online saying, you know, this is on Justin. He's got DJ Moore running a, a route where he sits in an open zone. It's a tight zone. There's no doubt about it. But if he anticipates that his receiver, his number one right receiver, is going to go to that zone at the stem of a DJ's route, he should have fired that ball and it would have been a completion and he would not have broken his wrist or whatever, injured his wrist. Or when he scrambled out, he had Darrington Evans there by the sideline. He could have tossed him the ball or he could have thrown it out of bounds, but he held the ball for five to six seconds and that creates an injury. And as someone posted on my X timeline, this is the third year he's been with the team and the third year he gets injured because of malpractice at the quarterback position, his own malpractice. No, I, I, I get it. There's another play, and I thought you were going to bring it up. And I don't. it might have been a short completion or an incomplete pass, but when they showed a replay, they showed D.J. Moore running down the right sideline 15 yards behind anybody, and he's mm-hmm. got his hand up in the air. Like, here I am. All It's a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yes. I never saw him. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I was talking Go back a few weeks ago. That's what I was talking about as far as processing and not seeing the field. Yeah. And where we saw it last week and the week before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the All-22 for us, uh, people who are not in the media, will be released to us, uh, at, at, I think, later today or tomorrow. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study that because I want to get a clearer picture. I've been blaming uh, Justin for some of this stuff, and I want to make sure that I'm uh, correct there. And I'd love for you to take a look at it, Greg, and next time we talk we can get a better indication. But the, yeah, I think well, it's fair to say that it's, it's a – Combination. Combination. And it usually is, right? Right. (laughs) And stuff, when bad stuff happens. But anyway, let's, that's over with. He's hurt. Right. I was just going to go there. (laughs) So, you know, move on. He's not going to play. I'm going to say he's not going to play at least two more games. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I, am I guessing? Damn right. And maybe Mm -hmm. it's worse than that. Maybe it is six weeks, four to six weeks. Well, you know what? In four to six weeks, the other guy might be playing good enough that field ain't getting back on the field. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they might make a decision. But that that's right now. It, it's it's audition time right now for, for Tyson Bajan. That's right. Okay, and and they liked him enough to keep him. They liked him enough to move him up to number two. He was impressive in the preseason. He mm-hmm. did things that I thought, you know, <coughs> excuse me, coming from Division Two. And I go, wow. I mean, just you know, his his ability to process was mm-hmm. really quick and get the ball out of his hand really quick. Um, so now. Now, people like, you know, rookie quarterback, they're going to throw shit at him now. It, it's, you know, they play the Raiders next week. They're going to do some stuff that they you might not have ever seen on film in the last few weeks from the Raiders to try to confuse this kid because he is young. <clears throat> but at the same time, he's played a lot of football. And I don't care what level it's at. He's played a ton of football. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned uh, that earlier in the show that they're going to have to change the the play calling for him. Now, the Bears did rush 36 times yesterday. That was 14 more than the Vikings. Um, so do you anticipate that they're really going to rely uh, heavily on this rushing game and hopefully we'll get back some of the injured players, although uh, Foreman and Evans didn't do terribly but yeah you'd rather have your starters back so you anticipate that they're going to try to run 36 to 40 times a game and then hit that short passing game and occasionally go deep this is where we if we had a second show it'd be good and because then you could look at the raiders tape and see what they can do and what they can't do you know on on defense and i i you know i know they got a a hell of a pass rusher in crosby Mm -hmm. um but how how strong or weak they are, but you know they're going to have um, Brian Hoyer probably playing quarterback because Garoppolo got hurt again. Yeah, I mean, Garoppolo is more fragile than the best crystal glassware you can find. <laughs> yes, he is. Unfortunately. <laughs> And a lot of women think that he looks like a beautiful crystal glass figurine or whatever. Um, but, yeah, apparently uh, he was rushed to the hospital uh, during the game. So that's well, that part I didn't see. Okay, I first have heard that. Yeah, I just was, heard he hurt his back. There was a, uh, a Raiders beat reporter who put that up on uh, on X. And so yeah, the the early prognosis that he may have hurt his back in a really bad way. So we'll keep well, an eye I, on I that. I think it's safe to say that he's not playing. So Brian Hoyer is going to be playing. And, mm-hmm. you know, Hoyer's not too shabby now. you got to mm-hmm. have a backup quarterback. That's a good guy to have. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't have the arm talent anymore. But he's been in the league a long time. He's very, very smart. You know, I'll go back to what I say every freaking week. You gotta pressure him. Yep. And so this upcoming game versus the Raiders could be the lowest scoring game of the season, as the way I see it. You got two offenses that are struggling a bit. I mean, the Raiders do have some good skill players with Josh, starting with Josh Jacobs, but 
their their backup quarterback and the way the Bears defense has played lately, you got to believe that it, it, at home the Bears defense is going to be up for the challenge and that the Bears offense is going to struggle to score against this Raiders defense in their last two games. They've played very well. Yeah, well, don't forget they, they played yesterday's game in Vegas. Yeah, and right. They got to right. come here. Right. It's going to be a little colder than it is in Vegas this time of the year. Uh, you know, I'm not impressed with them, but they they do play hard. Um, Josh McDaniels to me is a is just a flop as a as a head coach. He's a real good defensive coach. He's not a head coach or offensive coach, yeah. uh, but not a head coach. Um, but it, it's it's another game, just like yesterday was. That's a winnable game. Mm-hmm. Okay, but now you got to do it, and and we're running out of excuses. You know, it, it's like, you know, we could do the same show we did two weeks ago. It's like, what the fuck, you know? I mean, <laughs> That's you know, just, you know get, get a replay out, put that up, and say it's a new episode. Change a couple words. That's what all of my barroom show hosts have been saying lately. What else can we say? It's the same thing every week. Thank goodness for the Washington game. It gave us a little something different to talk about. But, yeah, this is getting really bad. I mean, we're going to be forced to start talking about the draft earlier than ever in history. <laughs> and Here's a question for you. It comes from my uh, good buddy Jeff, uh, him and his twin brother. Some exciting news coming up. Uh, we'll save that for next week. But he says, with the secondary much healthier now, do you think Flus will start dialing up more extra man pressures, trusting the back end of his D in coverage? And, of course, you don't know what Flus is going to do, so I'll ask it to you this way. Would you start to dial up some more pressure on uh, quarterbacks, given that you're going to get Eddie Jackson back, hopefully, for the uh, for the entirety of the play a game? And you're, you're getting Kyler back. And what happened to Kyler Gordon yesterday, by the way? Has anyone heard? What ha- he-, he played 37 snaps, I saw okay. that. Yeah, because he wasn't on the sideline pregame. Maybe he was getting taped up or something. But anyway. No, so- he, he, he played. I saw the snap count. Uh, Kevin Fishbane put it out. Okay, great. And he had 36 or 37 total snaps. Now, they mm-hmm. played, if you, if you looked, Minnesota was playing with a lot of uh, two tight ends and two wide receivers. So you had Sanborn in there instead of the nickel. Yeah. He had a good game too. And so, um, you know, when you're going against three wides, he's going to be in there, you know, majority of the time. So, but I, you know, did he play well or, or poorly? I, I really can't answer that because I haven't rewatched the game yet you know, to mm-hmm. concentrate on, on what he did. But, you know, as far as Eddie Jackson, he came back, he hurt the foot again. They said after the game he could have gone back in, but he didn't go back in, and it was a close game. So why didn't he go back in? So that tells me it might be a little worse than what you think. Okay. It could be a, a lingering problem the rest of the season. And – you know, you're kind of light at that position. Right. 
Yeah, indeed. But would you like to see uh, Eberflus dial up more blitzes? Oh, yeah. If-, if your front four is not getting it done, figure right. out a way to do it. And, and here's the thing, Aldo. Mm-hmm. When you're going into uh, – your opponent goes into the game, they're not looking for it because they know you want to drop into coverage and you're rushing four. So it becomes an advantage to you to dial up more pressure. Yeah, exactly. And, and have it come from different places. You know, some of these guys just overload the shit and, and they're, they're, they're coming with five or six every play. Mm-hmm. And it helps. Yeah. You know, so I don't understand not wanting to do it. Yeah, it, it's perplexing to me, particularly because he's in danger of losing the team. And so some of the play calling has to be stuff that players love to do. They love to blitz. Uh, the front seven loves blitzing. I'm not sure if the defensive backs love it so much, but they love to blitz, and it, it gets them fired up. And so, you know, if he doesn't call more blitzes, and, and it could create energy in the football stadium, and hopefully that – the offense can feed off of that. If he doesn't blitz, to me, it's just head-scratching. Uh, but he has been calling up the blitz more often. Would you like to see him call the blitz 54% of the time, which is what the Vikings uh, average every game? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd do it 54% of the time, but you want to – you know, you want to – you gotta, you got to do stuff that the other team's not prepared for. Yes. I guess that's the best way to do it. You know, that's how you beat a game plan. A team's game plan based on what you've done in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they look, okay, it's, it's second and seven. This is what they normally are in in that second and six, second and seven, second and eight type situation. You know, this is the what the defense usually does. They have all this stuff charted. So that's how they, they base their calls. So now if you're mixing it up and you're doing stuff that you haven't done, mm-hmm. that throws a wrench to the offense. Yeah, indeed. So um, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but the talk is starting again. I And I've been challenging people, well, if you're going to fire Matt Eberflus in season, who are you, who's going to call the play? That's right. Who's I've been saying the same thing. Who, who's, who do they got to replace him? Right, I, I challenge hey, John Hoke could John Hoke could call the defense, and he has been now going into the press conferences. The coordinator right. day, he did he did last Thursday anyway. So we'll see if that continues. And you know what happened with his so called analyst? Sounded like you're going to have it last week, and yeah, nothing's fell, come of it. Fell apart. Well, I don't know if it fell apart. He said that you know maybe nobody wants it. <laughs> Exactly. Well, it's free money for a season. I, I, but you're right. Maybe, maybe nobody wants to hassle. They'd rather yeah, I'll, I'll do, do whatever they're doing. You'll do it, Greg. <laughs> um, what, shouldn't they also bring in a senior offensive analyst? <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people in the chat would agree I told, with that. I told you joking around what Pep said. Remember yes. when he called me, and that was after the second game. Hmm. Now, what do you suppose Pep Hamilton would do to get a better performance out of 
Justin Fields, a more consistent performance? Because we've seen what well, he can first do. First of all, I mean, here's the thing. Somebody said to me on X, you know, we'll bring in a whole new offensive coordinator. I said, you can't do that. Why can't you? I said, because you're trying to install a new system. You can't change the system in the middle of the, the season. It takes months to install a system. Yep. And, oh, it's not that hard. I go, yeah, it is. You need you need a full off season and a full training camp, but sometimes that isn't enough. Absolutely. So, you know, they brought in the guy. He's got to work within that scheme. He can help with the play calls. You can you can change design of plays. That's easy, and you're not screwing with the system. Yep. You're just making some adjustments to the design. So that's what a guy could do. Um, and, and, you know, obviously help with the play calling, but, you know, I, I just, he, he's going to, Flus is going to go down with, you know, thinking that's the right guy. I mean, that's, that, that's every indication that I've gotten, you know, just watching. Yeah. Well, I uh, so I, I hope that we don't have to talk about this topic again, about replacing the head coach in the middle of the season, about replacing the coordinator in the middle of the season. But, it, you know, if this winning, if this losing streak continues, it is going to the pressure on George McCaskey, Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles is just going to increase, you know, People want something done. They get to the point, where, and I hate to say this, Greg, do something, do anything. Well, do anything is not an answer. <laughs> You're not going to just do anything. No, I, I, you know, and I get it, but that that's that's fans are impulsive. Yes. Okay, and, and I've said this a thousand times. They want instant gratification, mm-hmm. but instant gratification isn't always the right thing. Yeah, but we have been waiting two years. <laughs> No, well, this is his second year. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but so, uh, still, I'll, I'll, I'll take delayed gratification. When does it arrive? <laughs> oh, no, I know. Yeah, yeah we, could, we could always switch and talk about Taylor Swift and Kelsey. I mean, <laughs> That's what a lot of people are doing. <laughs> you know, the, the, the paparazzi, they, they got everything. She, she was at his house Thursday night, and he was yeah. there. Her apartment Saturday night. Yeah, so, I think they I think they consummated this relationship. So can we move on? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to show you something I posted. My um, wife said she goes, You think they did it? I, <laughs> I, I think they did it. <laughs> when you're Lord holding wants. hands, when you're leaving your apartment and they're holding hands, I think so. <laughs> anyway, uh, here's a play that really irritated me. Oh, let me uh, lower the audio on this because I'm screaming at my TV. I'm just going to run it here. This is Darnell Mooney. He apparently didn't realize he had to block number seven. What's going on here? It it, it seems like Darnell. You know what? In fairness, seven, that guy was way far away. I mean, that guy's a good four to five yards away from, from Mooney, but now he could have taken an angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but would he have gotten a piece? Look at, I mean, just look, 
It's a hell of a play, number one, by the by the corner. Number seven. Um, and that's another play when you see that. You got it going back a couple seconds? This is as far back as I got. Okay, because then, again, that's – you got a play called, and you're looking at the defense, you go, that isn't going to work. So you got to get <laughs> out of it. Yeah. See, here's what – let me share with you what I think. Okay, so he's looking at the snap of the ball, he being Darnell Mooney, right? right. Both players are. Uh, number seven is, is looking into the backfield, trying to read uh, Justin Fields. Now, here's the snap of the ball right there. Darnell – should be should not be looking. He should turn his head immediately towards number seven. He takes a step forward, and now, right, right. and now, even before seven has started moving uh, towards number two, he should have been headed to at least chip block number seven. And I just feel like he's just lost in space. This doesn't seem I, right. You to know, me. I, I I can't answer it because. If you think he's supposed to be a blocker, mm -hmm. he's going to be moving differently. Mm -hmm. He's not moving like you know. So th th there's there's something missing there. That's true. That that is true. He didn't look at, at all like he, he had the assignment to block. Yeah. Right, <laughs> and and so something's out of sync. Yeah, <laughs> and it just I just feel like Darnell, and I like Darnell a lot, but last year he said, you know, I ran the wrong play because we had another play the year before that sounded like it, and then you know he runs a pattern incorrectly. It just sounds like mentally he's not a hundred percent player, and he's got the physical skills to at least be a one A wide receiver. He caught eighty seven passes from Justin, uh, so I, I just worry about him that his head isn't in the game a hundred percent but I, I i can't answer that you know yeah. i mean you gotta, knows, right right i, I mean we're, we're throwing shit at the wall and and uh without talking to the player without knowing exactly but i mean you you make a very valid point but i'm looking at when you look at the movement you're going okay there's there's something out of sync here mm -hmm. either mooney's out of sync the play should have been changed or Mooney screwed up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, Jordan says it's an RPO. Well, if it's an RPO, then change the play. Don't throw it to the wide receiver who whose defender is three yards away. That doesn't make sense. And if, and if Mooney wasn't scripted to block for DJ, that makes even less sense to throw him the ball. You know, I, I I I don't know. There's some excuses being made here that uh, I don't particularly like. So, um, <laughs> you know, what's funny about this episode, Greg? Usually, I get like a thousand questions for you. I think everyone is in a state of shock or loser fatigue. I've only gotten one or two questions for it's you the uh, entire. No, it is. It's disappointment. <laughs> That's right. Massive disappointment. You know, I. I, I like I said, after Bajan threw the interception, I turned it off. What, oh, did you? Yeah. But that yeah. didn't even watch the last few seconds. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, couldn't wait till Billions came on. And that was a good episode. <laughs> Do you watch Billions? Yeah, but I'm about two or three episodes behind. Yeah. Oh, God. Last night's was like one of the best ever. It's a great, and, great show. And, uh, and but I'm telling you, 
All I'll tell you, I'll give you one little teaser. Okay. Axe is back. In, in a big way. I love it. It's a well-produced, very smart show with excellent acting. It's very well written. Yeah, very, very well written. One of the guys behind it is actually the New York Times uh, business reporter or editor or something like that. So there's a lot of in, uh, you know, there's a lot of knowledge about how that industry uh, and that legal system really is. Camel has a question for you. He wants to know: Do you know the McCaskies? And if so, do they strike you as owners who really want to win? Yes, I know all the McCaskies, and yes, they do want to win. They get as frustrated as, as fans do. And, um, but they'll be the first to tell you they're not football people. You know, they're not excellent. Well, they, they don't know what's good, bad, or indifferent. Um, they hire people to do that stuff for them, like most owners do and should do. You know, they, they are hands-off. Now, George is more hands-on than Michael was. Mm -hmm. um, now, I guess Michael was hands-on before I got here, but a couple years before I came, he got stripped of that a little bit. And when George came in, you know, George was running the, the ticket department. And right. George... Uh, is more hands-on than Michael is, mm -hmm. but still, I mean, they want to know what's going on. Michael wanted to know what's going on too, but that's all they wanted to know is they wanted to know what was going on. And they might ask you some questions or whatever, but uh, they weren't going to be involved in saying yes, no, or maybe. And, and, you know, yeah, they want to win. They want to win as bad as everybody else. Tell you what, they're good people. They really are. And um, I don't have a bad thing to say about them at all. I, I just, I enjoyed working for them. Uh, you know, some of them, you know, it's a big, big family. Some of the kids are a little different than the others. I think um, the guy who's the most football astute is Brian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, and he's just on the board, right? He's not. Yeah, well, any... no, he, he takes care of the alumni and all that. Uh, I mean, okay. he's got a, a, a regular job there. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's like a lot of families. You know, <laughs> age matters. Where, yeah. where you are in the line of succession matters, so to speak, mm -hmm. you know, and where Brian may be the, the best one, he's down the totem pole because of where he was born. Yeah. Greg, is there uh, much of a difference between the revenue that a Super Bowl winning team or a, uh, conference championship winning team makes in a team that is like the Bears mediocre at best over the last several years. In other words, is there financial incentive for the McCaskies to want to build a winning team? Well, the financial incentive for 
a particular season, you know, as you get in the playoffs and you got a home game, you got that's more revenue coming in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you got all sorts of new revenue coming in. So, yeah, you want that. Um, as far as during the regular season, it's not going to change. But a winning product helps everything. It helps with advertising, helps with marketing, and all that brings in dollars. But now the, they're going out and spending a lot of their own money. Mm-hmm. on this new stadium project. So what's that tell you? Now, yeah, it's going to make them a lot of money. Right. And, and and it could, if done correctly, put them on par with Dallas, if not above Dallas, mm-hmm. down the road. Absolutely. And, you know, so we're right now, I think they're fifth or sixth. When they're done with this thing, they better be first or second. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or somebody screwed up. Yeah, because that, Tarine, that whole project has got, if in fact it ends up in Arlington, because of what that plan is for Arlington Heights. But right, uh, you know, it it's uh, that can be just a huge, huge, huge moneymaker for them. Yeah, Torin says that the Bears went from two point nine billion dollars in value in two thousand and nineteen to six billion dollars in twenty twenty three. So. They didn't win during that period. They won one division title during that period. So everybody that's, you know, saying, of course they do. I, I don't think it's that easy. When, when you build a winning team, there's more expenses involved with building a winning team. Uh, you got, you know, sometimes your head coach is demanding, you know, millions of dollars a season for winning teams. Something, you know, there's more expenses in, in player salary. There's more expenses in, you well, know, I don't, I don't agree with you on the player salary because you got a salary cap. That, that is true. You're, you're spending the same amount. You know, you're, you're basic year to year expenses. Now there's year to year salary and then there's cash. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and cash is what you're like, Signing bonuses you're giving out free agency, et cetera, like that. And right. and, and, the, and not as much the last two years with polls, but with uh, when Nagy was the head coach, they were and, and, and Pace was the GM, they were putting out a lot of cash. Absolutely, and agency, and and yes. some of it wasn't good. So, but I I have never heard, and haven't been there. There's nobody that's ever come in and said you can't spend, right? You know, so I I, I just, you know, it, it's an easy thing to say, but I I I'm not going to buy that, especially haven't been inside the building. Now I I'd much rather have owners like the McCaskies who let you do your job. Stay out of your way. Yes. Is then like what my buddy Scott Fitterer's got to put up with in Carolina right now. Yeah. And right. and you know, and that guy is two hands on, but he doesn't have he's got all the money in the world. Mm-hmm. But Sometimes when a and and I don't want to piss anybody off here, 
you can't have an owner think like a fan. Mm-hmm. You got to think the big picture. Yep. And what's the best thing for the, <coughs> excuse me, for the franchise. Yeah. yeah. Um, totally agree. And I, and I just, for the record, I want to say, I, I have, I have been off of that bandwagon of the bears are cheap probably 30 years ago. You know, uh, they were cheap when Hallis was running the organization and Mike Ditka's famous quote about he threw nickels around like they were manhole covers, sewer covers, you know, that was true back then. But this team, the Chicago Bears organization, just spent $100 million on a new uh, f- facility. Hallis Hall is a state-of-the-art facility, one of the best in the NFL. They are looking to spend billions of dollars on a stadium. They have had huge player contracts. So I'm not, I'm not saying that the Bears don't want to spend money to win. I'm, I'm just asking the question because Jerry Reinsdorf is famously quoted as saying about the White Sox, we can end up in second place and still make up the same amount of money as we do in first place. Uh, and that's that's an awful quote to make. Absolutely. I mean, uh, it, 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 I, I'll go buy a ticket and feel like, man, should I really be spending $40 on this no, ticket I mean, in the grandstands? <laughs> no, I, I can't. I can't see it. I've been in too many meetings with those people, had too many conversations to know that they're passionate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Got lots of questions here after I complain. We don't have questions. We've got a bunch. So let's uh, get through some of them or maybe all, all of them. Jeff starts with the most disappointing to me thing to me about the game was the seeming lack of preparation for a blitzing team they knew was going to blitz. Do you Did you see that too, that the offense was totally unprepared for uh, Brian Flores' blitzing defense? Well, I'm not standing up for anybody here, but, you know, go back to what we were talking about a little while ago. Mm-hmm. You know, you use the last three, four, five games as a guide to help you game plan for the current game. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking, okay, this is what they did in this situation. This, and, and that's how you set your, your game plan, et cetera. So you set up your, your blitz pickup and everything else according to that. They didn't go into that game thinking, well, he's not going to blitz. Sure, They know he's going to blitz. Right. But is he going to blitz the same way as he blitzed last week or the week before? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you got to be prepared for something you didn't see. And again, I, I, I'm just trying to be real here. Mm-hmm. And that is, you don't go into in practice every day, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and not, co- <coughs> excuse me, not cover that stuff. Right. Right. You know, it, now, could there be some things that they have not seen before? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I I remember, and it was a college game mm-hmm. this year, Notre Dame. First two games. And Al Golden, the defensive coordinator, said he was like, I've never seen any of the stuff on tape that they were doing today. Mm-hmm. You know, like they did stuff totally different. And so, yeah, that, that can happen. Yeah. And, and then 
it looks like you're totally unprepared. And I guess in a way you are unprepared, but it's really, reality is it's really good coaching on your opponent's part. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Okay, next question. Uh, Rory has an interesting question. He sensed that the, the the offense was more efficient and rhythmic with Tyson Bajant uh, at the quarterback position. Do you feel the same way? And can you can you discuss this question? Well, I don't know if we have a big enough sample size. I know what he means, and I tend to agree. I, I you know. We go back to the preseason, and when that kid got an opportunity to play extended time, I mean, you remember what I was like, wow. You know, he thinks fast. He processes things fast. He's going to make mistakes because there's stuff he hasn't seen. you got to mm -hmm. go through that learning process. Yeah. But he's he's got a real quick mind. And... So, yeah, I think there's his deliveries a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. There was a bubble screen that he tried that I would say the ball was out of his hand a good half second faster. Mm. If not more. Yeah, he, he really has a quick release. It's one of the reasons I'm intrigued. If, you know, I want Justin Fields to play every game, but if he's not, I am intrigued. I want to see Tyson Bajan, not Nathan Peterman. I've seen enough of Nathan Peterman. <laughs> saw him at Pitt, saw him at the Senior Bowl, saw him in some pro games. We know what Nathan Peterman is. Right. We don't know no, what Tyson you, Bajan you is. Find out, and, and, you know, I, I was mm -hmm. preaching that a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. you got to find out because if you're going to make a decision in the spring, you got to have some thorough knowledge on what you're making that decision on. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, so you don't want to, if you don't have to take a quarterback, mm -hmm. that'd be great. Maybe, and I'm not saying this guy's going to be the answer, but what if he is? Hey, Brock Purdy was the last pick in the draft. What's the difference between last pick in the draft and the first guy you signed in free agency? 0. 0.0. That's right. <laughs> okay. So Brock Purdy could have very easily been an undrafted free agent. Mm -hmm. yep. And guy's pretty good. And why is it pretty good? Because he can think. He really processes. He doesn't have the physical skill set that all those guys that he got drafted in front of him. He's got a decent arm. Doesn't have a great arm. Mm -hmm. But he really thinks and processes very, very quickly. Yeah. All right. We've got a number of questions regarding the offensive line. Let me pop up two or three of them on the screen and then just ask it as an overall question. D. Starren says, wouldn't you expect that an ex-offensive lineman would build an excellent offensive line? Polls. Evie says, where are Mercedes Lewis, an excellent blocking tight end, and Dan Feeney? And then the one that just got here, um, Cody Whitehair, what the F? He was benched yesterday. So what is your present evaluation of the offensive line? You know, Pro Football Focus, there's their little weekly ad, uh, article about, you know, top offensive lines. I take their, their grades don't mean shit to me. I totally agree. That's why I'm asking you the question. Yeah. That, um, <laughs> It's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> uh, 
in fact, anybody who pays five cents for that is paying five <laughs> cents too much. I, I know I am. <laughs> getting back to the offensive line, good offensive lines have cohesiveness. Mm-hmm. In two years, this offensive line has not had any cohesiveness. There's always somebody hurt. Mm-hmm. Always. Yesterday, Nate Davis gets hurt. You know, he gets rolled up on when, when Fields got hit, and then he Fields went into the back of Nate Davis's leg. Uh, Cody Whitehair is having the same problem he had a few years ago at center. He's snapping mm-hmm. the ball too high, and that's causing bad plays. Yes, it is. My personal take is he doesn't start anymore. Lucas mm-hmm. Packer does. Um, Braxton Jones was playing pretty good, and then he hurts his neck. Now, nobody has brought up at any presser that I've heard, they, you know, because there's been some rumors that he may, it may be more than a four-week injury. And, and has anybody asked a question? How is Braxton Jones doing? Is can he come? This is coming up to the fourth game this week, right? Right. Okay. Can he come back after this week? Nobody asked the question. Now we know Flus isn't going to answer directly, but you know he could at least lead you in the direction of yeah, he's getting better. You know what I mean? And and so anyway, that's. I think if everybody's healthy and playing where they're supposed to be playing, it's a pretty decent group. (coughs) Excuse me. I agree. I agree with that. I agree. I totally agree. You've got different groups, not only game to game, but play to play. Right. It's there's been a lot of combinations and many are because of injury. Uh, mm-hmm. Jordan says the Bears offensive line would be better if they stopped playing music or chairs in the interior of the offensive line. But I, I think what's probably going to happen this week is you might if they want Cody Whitehair in the lineup, they'll probably put him at, at left guard and then move Tevin over the right guard. That's a possibility. And I think that's a bad decision. You're going to have no, to why? bench. No, why? I, I put, I'd keep um, Carter at right guard if, if Nate's going to be out for a while. That's what I he's, would do. And, got, and then I, he's got a lot of talent now. Right. Yes, I agree. So leave uh, it the way it is. Leave it the way it is. Because you you know Braxton Jones isn't going to be there this week, so then right. you got Jones, um, Jenkins, D- Jenkins, Patrick, uh, Pat Patrick Carter, and um, Wright. Well, that was my point. Is they yeah. they're going to have to bench Cody White here, and I yes. know they hate to do that to a veteran. I mean, after the game, uh, Eberflus was praising him. No, we didn't take him out because of the bad snaps. Oh, it was just they a, didn't. Exactly. It was the biggest lie he has ever said. And he had that liar face on that, that we can tell when he's lying. It's like a like a uh, one of those machines, you know, <laughs> the wires going away off. Hey, go what's what's the most important job the center has? Snapping the ball. There you go. That's what he does. <laughs> well, that and, and, and probably calling out some things, right? He's had three or four. Yeah, he's got a <laughs> He's had three or four in the last two games. He's had three or four bad snaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've recovered from a couple of them. 
But one of these days, it's going to go over his head and it's going to be a 20-yard loss. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think that moving Tevin Jenkins to left tackle, a position he played a lot at college, do you think he that's a possibility? eight games at left tackle in college. Oh, that was all? Okay, I thought it was more than that. Nope. I mean, he was he was drafted to be a left tackle by Ryan Pace. Right. But- Athletically, he could do it. No, you keep where he, where he has a chance to be a Pro Bowl-type player. Mm-hmm. All right. Interesting stuff. Let's get some more questions here. Tim says, uh, Whitehair has three times the experience of snapping, yet Flu said he was pull- – okay, so we, we just discussed that. Thank you, Tim. Um and let's see, Vizelman, I know this is a loaded question, but what would Greg do? What would be the first thing he does if to get the Bears going in the right direction? What would be the first thing? I know you're going to have to say it. You're going to have to say it. You're going to have to fire that coach. No, I, I, no I'm, I, I'm not going to fire the coach right now. Okay. Okay, because I, I can't if if I thought there was a guy on the staff that I agree with in, you. Okay, yeah. But I don't believe that. And and mm-hmm. could you bring in somebody from the outside? Yeah. Colts did that last year. That was a disaster. Mm-hmm. You know, so um I think you gotta go first of all, you know, you gotta look at it this way too. They're almost out of it, even mathematically now. Yes. So, so uh, now, now you're now you're playing. I hate the word tank, but now you're playing. Where are my draft picks going to be? Yeah, you you want to develop players, you know. Yeah, you want to win games, but the, really uh, deep down, the number no, one thing I'm is saying. What, what where are my draft picks going to be next April? Yeah, you're thinking about that, but but for the next what ten games we got left in the schedule, eleven games, you got to yeah, be gotta thinking develop. about, yeah, you got to be thinking of, you know, do I have my safety in Brisker, you know, because there has been a regression this year, it's probably injury related, whatever. Do I have uh, uh, Stevenson at, at corner? Is is he a guy that I can put in that column? Can help us win championships? Everybody should be graded that way. Can this per does this person have a role in a championship team? That's how I would oh, do it. Yeah, that, that, there's there's no doubt about that. That you gotta you gotta find out who you can count on, who you can't, mm-hmm. and yeah. and and you gotta find that out with the guys that you brought in on one year contracts. Do you want to give them another contract or a two year deal, or what? You know, and 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 go from there. Mm-hmm. What do you think about uh, Hightower? Uh, Aaron, uh, co-host of the Barfly Tailgate Show, says he can't be much worse than Flus. Bring him in as head coach, but the, but really the problem is about him. I, you know, so I, he's a special teams coach, and, and like I, I was one of the guys jumping on the table for Dave Tobe, who's a special teams coach. But they're all different. Dave Tobe has coached other areas besides special teams, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and where he's been a. Like when he was an assistant special teams coach, he was also like an assistant defensive line coach. And Andy has let him, even at Kansas City, you know, do some other stuff in practices and stuff when he's not doing the teams. But he's the best special teams coach in the business. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but he was doing that so just to have it on his resume to help him get but now you know dave's almost 60 he's not going to get a head job right he deserved one right uh but you know as far as high tower you know i have to go back and look at his bio i don't know what his background is i mean could he be good he might be great but i don't you know i i just i don't know enough about him to to say yay or nay yeah i've seen a number of his press conferences he's impressive from yeah, you know, answering the yeah, questions yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. you really can't tell if he's a head coach um all right jeff wants to know speaking of notre dame do you think al golden could be a fit as a coordinator here in chicago he runs a, a multiple defense but not sure if that's what Flus is looking for so uh i i'm, I'm i don't guess al golden is a nfl coordinator no no and al golden came to notre dame he was cincinnati's linebacker coach mm -hmm. and i and, and you know what he's a pretty good college position coach Mm -hmm. I don't think he's an NFL coordinator. My own personal opinion. That's it. You know, he was a, a head coach in college. Didn't have a lot of success. Might have been two places. Two places he was. Uh, been a very good college coordinator. Uh, coordinating in college and coordinating in the NFL are two different things. He's got like four years experience in the NFL as a linebacker coach. And he's a good coach. I just don't think he's an NFL coordinator myself. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks for that information. Very candid. Um, let's see. We've got uh, Jeff. Greg, do you think uh, Alt, the left tackle with Notre Dame, or Fashanu, the right or left tackle at Fashanu uh, yeah. at uh, Penn State? Penn State. The kind of prospects that you don't pass up if the Bears don't have the top pick, or do you think they would lean towards the need at edge? I've been wrestling with this too, uh, Greg. You know, do you go left tackle or do you go? You you need that premier pass rusher. All the good teams have one, and we don't. Um, all, both those guys are pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um. Mm -hmm. There's sometimes you think Alt's better and uh, Fashano. Fashano is, you know, that dancing bear, very, very athletic, very, very smart kid. He could have come out last year, would have been a first round pick. Uh, I have a friend, an agent friend, who um, interviewed him and talked about it. He goes, No, I, I came here to get my degree and I'm going to get my degree and then I'll come out. Now mm -hmm. he's going to get his degree this year and he still has another year of eligibility, but you know, he'll be in the draft. Um, he's his parents, I think are Nigerian immigrants, you know, and they're very smart, intelligent people. So um, it, it's a good question, but if I think Braxton Jones is the answer at left tackle, and personally I do, mm -hmm. I think he's a he is a first or second round talent that they got in the fifth round because of where he came from. Southern Utah, shitty program, you know, Turbo White, but his natural traits are superb. Excellent. 
I mean, you know, he ran like a four eight nine or something like that, <laughs> or four eight. I mean, it's just how many tackles do you see can run like that? Yeah, you know, and and he's got arms. He can tie his shoes standing up there so damn long. You know, he's got what you need. He needed to get stronger in the lower body. He did. He had no problem in the first two games with blocking power. Um, he's still a young player, but I think, you know, it's all in front of him. So if I believe that that I already got my bookends in, in, in Jones and Wright, why am I going to take Alder Fashano? Yeah. I mean, and that's and that's the discussion you're going to have in, and I'm not going to say the draft room because the the, the decision is going to be made well before you get into the, dra- the day of the draft. But when you're having your meetings mm-hmm. in in February and then in early April, that's what you're, you're going to make your decision right then. That's going to be one of the many big decisions coming up in the offseason. A few more questions here. Uh, Let's just finish one other thing. The key is, what was the neck injury? And is he he good to come back next week or the week after? Or if he's out for the season? Well, now that changes, you know, what the doctor's opinion is are mm-hmm. that could change your opinion on how you want to handle the draft mm-hmm. um i love talking draft i i just I, i'm more fun than shit. <laughs> exactly you said it perfectly uh, mike says I, I don't like this defensive scheme but they did play well yesterday how about tremaine edmonds making an impact for the first time since he got here only bright spot in the day in his view, in Mike's view. Um, I, I do have to agree with him that Edmonds had a great day. I'm not going to say he's the only bright spot, but Edmonds really played well, and perhaps he's getting healthier, and perhaps he loves the changes that Eberflus has made with the defensive scheme. Uh, what was your uh, analysis of Edmonds' play yesterday? I, you know, I, I can't really answer without rewatching the game. And then, you know, sure. you go back and you look at, at certain people. Mm-hmm. To see, you know, I saw him play in Buffalo his whole career. And I watched all those games. And the guy was a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. You know, so they got a good football player. And mm-hmm. with his, his size, his range, his length, he can do some things that, you know, some people can't do. Now, he's not ever going to be a Budkus-type guy. That's not his game. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. And and I'm not sure that Butkus's game would be, no. you know, good in today's NFL. I mean, he was pretty good uh, as a pass defender, but um, yeah, I don't know. That That's a, a topic for those debate. old tapes and see how – you know, you see these little 220, 230-pound guys running around and yeah. real skinny, and 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 they still look slow. That's right. I don't have to put on the old tapes. I saw it. I'm that old. 
Uh, Vince uh, says, uh, I'm not a Poles apologist, but this team was so bereft of talent when he took over that he does need minimally one more free agent draft cycle to get better and probably two. I agree with you, Vince. I'm not happy with all the decisions that he's made, but he laid out a rebuilding plan and he has told us it's going to take more time than this. At the beginning of last draft, he told us it's going to take us another draft or so to fill in all the holes. So we need, he sold this plan to the McCaskies and if the McCaskies were to fire him, yeah, if the McCaskies were to fire him before he's allowed to carry out the plan, I think that would be managerial misconduct. Well, I, and number one, I agree with you because I like Ryan. I like his vision. Mm-hmm. And I think, <coughs> excuse me, it's getting that time of day. Yes, it is. <laughs> we got so, one more question. We'll get, get out of here. <laughs> the, I think he's a damn good evaluator too. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's going to, you know, help on the long run. Was I mean? There's been questions brought up of was the coaching decision totally his, or was it kind of like when Ryan Pace was here? Right. This is the guy you should hire. Um, you know. I, I don't have the answer to that, and I probably yeah. never have the answer to that. Yeah, I'd love to find that one out. Um, it's obviously not going in the direction. I, I don't, like you said, Flus might lose the team. I still don't see that because they're playing hard. Mm-hmm. Okay, but uh, I'm sort of rambling here. I think Poles was drafted well. He did not draft the quarterback. Right. Okay. So he's, you can't put that one on him. Some of the development, well, you put it on the coaches. And if he's not, and, but if he can't process, I can't see that ever changing. Yeah, it might get a little quicker with more experience, but damn, you're in year three. Mm-hmm. You know, you've seen a lot. Right. And here, I'll tell you, here'll be a little interesting exercise. Pretty much assured Tyson Bages is going to be the quarterback next week. And watch how he grows if he grows between yesterday and next week. That's going to be fascinating. Indeed. That will, because that will tell you a lot about Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. You, do, you, do you know where I'm going with that? Sure. Absolutely. Um, we've got the news here from on X, Brad Biggs is writing Bears coach Matt Eberflus says there is no timetable right now for Justin Fields with his right hand injury. Says it's all going to come down to grip strength and that he is doubtful to play Sunday against the Raiders. So I'm going to see if there's another report about the injury status, uh, if they did the MRI. Um, no, I'm not seeing anything immediately. Uh, Matt Eberflus confirms that Fields has a dislocated thumb. 
so El, and, did you say that? Uh, yes, he confirmed that it is a dislocated thumb. And here's that big news. That, okay, go, go ahead. Uh, Phil, Phil Snow, former defensive coordinator of the Panthers, has been hired as Chicago's defensive analyst. Do you know anything at all about Phil Snow? Uh, no, but I'll find out. Yep, let's find out, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about that this week. Uh, I have one more question I want to get to you, Jimmy yeah, Tony. Let's go back to Justin because if he got sure, if he dislocated his thumb, mm -hmm. and now I've had a broken thumb and I've had surgery on both thumbs, so he there's probably ligament damage in there. Mm -hmm. on a dislocation yeah i'm gonna say it's i i don't know if it's gonna be that four to six but i'm gonna say it's at least a couple mm -hmm. and and maybe more than that i mean he can't if, if he can't grip the ball he can't throw the ball end of the discussion that's so it what, Wait a minute, Phil Snow, you said, is the guy? Yeah, defensive coordinator for the Panthers the last three seasons has been hired as senior defensive analyst. This is from Brad Biggs. He will oh, help okay. with he, it. He, I think, I got to double check. I he's, think he's, he's working with the Lions. For, he's working where? He, he's also uh, worked with the Lions. Okay, but, okay. <laughs> Excuse me. I'll, I'll, I'll do some background. Yeah, let's do some background if we did. We'll pop on here for 15 minutes. I know the name. I just I, I just got no recall on, on how I know the name. We gotta we, we gotta jog those memory cells up. Uh Jimmy wants to get in the last question. Greg, if this is an interesting philosophical question. Do players make coaches look good or do coaches make players look good? And what percentage is on the players versus the coaches? <laughs> I always think it's the players that, you know, 51%. Well, have the players. players players have a way of making coaches look good, yes. Mm -hmm. But coaches got to put the players in position to make the plays. Yes, indeed. So it, it, it goes hand in hand. But, you know, and, and Parcells is one of the best. Mm -hmm. He'll tell you, if I don't have some of those guys that I had – I'm not anywhere as good a coach as I was. Mm -hmm. Just looked up uh, Phil Snow here. Uh, born in Northern California. Uh, early career. Coached at Berkeley High. Went to Boise State. Then went to Cal, Arizona State, UCLA, University of Wisconsin, uh, Washington, Detroit Lions, coached the Lions linebacker groups for uh, two years, 2006, 2008, went back to college. Uh, and now, boy, he's been uh, all over the effing place. He's Where was a, he at before Carolina? Before, before the Baylor Panthers? He was at Baylor, correct. That's what I thought. Okay, he was at Baylor with – because I thought – Rule brought him with him, and I wonder why Rule didn't take him to Nebraska unless he didn't want to go back to college. Hmm. Some guys just don't want to recruit. That get right. that, that gets old. Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. Uh, Jordan says he's an effing stud. Uh, I'm um, I'm assuming that you're referring to Snow, Jordan. Exotic fronts and defenses. He thinks this is an awesome house. Yeah, but if you go back to, 
I'm not arguing with Jordan here, going back to what Floos said. Mm-hmm. Floos wants this guy to study the opponent, opponent's offense. Right. To So it would be like a week ahead to help them come up with stuff for the uh, the game plan for the next week. Mm-hmm. So now, could he have done stuff in an unofficial way last week on the Raiders? Maybe. Mm. But if not, you're not going to know anything until who's next, the Chargers, right? Yeah. Um, you're not going to see anything until, uh, you know, he'll be working on the Chargers this week. Yeah. Well, you know, the good news is that the defense is appears to be on the upswing. They appear to be getting better. They appear to be getting healthier. And so hopefully Phil Snow is going to come in with the right information, uh, enhance the scouting of these teams, and help prepare a game plan that uh, can shut out opponents because that's what it's going to take to win with this offense. <laughs> we're, well, we're back to that. He is, if he's a big proponent on – on blitzes and stuff like that, he could have an effect on what the, on, on how Flus does that and it calls that in the game. Yeah, that that is a really important part of you know when when we're judging Justin Fields, we we tend to never mention that the defense rarely gives them a half a field to work with. I mean, I, I'll have to look that up, but the average. Uh, field position when uh, Fields comes in with the offense is probably in 25-yard line uh, or, or somewhere around there. But uh, we'll we'll talk about that in a future show. You know, know this guy on the team. Mm-hmm. Bill, if, if he came – if this guy was rule at, at Baylor, mm-hmm. Billings probably played for him. Oh, Interesting. Interesting. Might we see Billings move over to three tech for a few downs? When he was, I, Jordan asked him that when he was a guest on the Barfly Tailgate Show, and his eyes lit up, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah." I'm paraphrasing. He says, "Yeah, I'll, I'll never play that position, but I would love to," because <laughs> he knows that's a glory position. <laughs> you don't get lost uh, playing the three tech if you're on a good team with a good defensive line. All right, uh, Greg, anything else you want to talk about before we pull the plug on this episode of GTF? No, not really. I mean, you know, I, I, we, we need something to – we need another win to spice up the, uh, mm-hmm. the Monday morning conversations. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And uh, once you've uh, acquired more information on what's happening over at Halislav, if you want to pop in and do a, a 15, 20-minute hit, you can do so on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, I, I know our fans would love that. All righty, my friend. Sounds good. Okay, take good care of yourself. And to everyone watching uh, live, uh, please let people know about the Gabriel Talks Football GTF show. Uh, we're here every Monday or so. And the best way to keep on top of our schedule is to subscribe to our YouTube channel or to follow Greg or myself on X. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. See you later.